You're listening to the Martial Arts Business Podcast with your host, Small Dojo Big Profits author, Mike Massey. Remember to go to martialartsbusinessdaily.com slash podcasts for show notes, transcripts, links to martial arts business resources, and more. Now here's your host, Mike Massey. Hello, everyone out there in the Martial Arts Business Nation and the Small Digital Big Profits Tribe. This is Mike Massey coming back at you once again with another edition of the Martial Arts Business Podcast. Now, what do I have on tap for you today? Well, I have a very interesting interview with a man who is not a martial artist nor a school owner, but instead a coach, a very specific coach. He is a business coach to salespeople, anyone who is in the sales industry that uh, is selling something, whether they be a small business owner or an entrepreneur, or a professional salesperson. His name is Wes Schaefer, and uh, they call him the Sales Whisperer. Now, the reason why I brought Wes on the show was to talk about a theme that I have going on in the newsletter uh, during this week and also over the the past uh, several days on sales and selling with integrity. And so Wes and I are talking about that in the interview that you're going to hear on today's podcast, talking about why integrity is so important, uh, what the most important things are for a person who is selling anything to know about selling, what are some of the common mistakes that are made, and so on. Now, I think this is a really important podcast interview for you to listen to. Uh, simply for two reasons. Number one, Wes has been a sales professional for most of his adult life. Um, well, he did uh, he did exit the Air Force after serving in the Air Force honorably and uh, then went into sales, so he spent some time in the military. But he was able to transition from a military career straight into a sales career and also be very successful at it and uh, have a, 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 a very lucrative, uh, long-standing career. And the second reason why I think this is an important uh, interview for you to listen to is because I know Wes to be a man of integrity. And it, it, often I think that martial artists, um, they, uh, they operate under this false dichotomy that either you are teaching martial arts and starving and not doing any of the business things that can make your school more successful – and you're, uh, you know, therefore an honest person, or you're not teaching good martial arts and you're totally focused on profit and you're a horrible person. Obviously a false dichotomy. You know, it's not an either or thing. There is, you know, you can absolutely positively be a, uh, a good martial artist and a good martial arts teacher and uh, also make a tidy profit uh, through your school. And you can also be a uh, an absolutely horrible teacher and uh, be poor as well. So, so I'm sure we've all seen people that fit both bills. What I want you to understand is that uh, learning how to sell and selling is so, so important to running a successful martial arts studio. And one of the reasons why it's so important is simply because you need to learn how to sell to maximize um, the amount of money that you're spending on marketing the amount of effort you're putting into your marketing, and to maximize the number of leads that are coming into your school. We know that, uh, especially going into this time of year that we're entering, which is the holiday season at, at the time of this recording, that uh, you know things like leads and inquiries tend to slow down. Now, if you know how to sell, you can maximize the amount of leads and inquiries that you get during these so-called slow seasons of the year, and you can continue to enroll students even through the holidays simply because you're good at selling. But if you're lousy at selling, then you're going to struggle during these times and these uh, so-called slow seasons of the year. And uh, you're going to be wishing that uh, time would speed up and that January would get here um, sooner than later. Uh, so you could start seeing, you know, that lead flow, you know, increase and so forth. And uh, you can start making easy enrollments. Well, the thing is, Every enrollment for every lead should be an easy enrollment if you know what to say and how to say it to the prospect during the entire process. From the time they contact you either over the phone or via your website um, to the time that uh, they come in for their first appointment for an intro or if you do school tours for a school tour uh, to the time that uh, you set them down in the office and talk to them about uh, membership options and so forth and take them through uh, what is often called an enrollment conference. And then also after the sale, you need to know how to treat the customer, the client, after the sale, how to treat that student so that they feel as though their buying decision was a good buying decision and they don't experience buyer's remorse. And this uh, is, is these are all skills um, that are uh, encompassed in the realm of selling, knowing how to sell. And there's nothing dirty about selling. There's nothing wrong with selling. I've known a lot of people that were in the sales industry that were absolutely people of integrity. 
and Wes is one of them. He's a very good coach, and he has a lot to share in this podcast interview. So, uh, so I hope you'll stick around for it. Now, also, I just want to mention that if you're not on the newsletter list, if you haven't gone to the website, signed up for the freebies at uh, martialartsbusinessdaily.com, and uh, join the newsletter list. Um, also, I have another site where I'm giving away a freebie that I've been promoting lately, and uh, that is mabizplan.com, M-A-B-I-Z plan. Dot com. If you go to mabizplan.com, you can get the actual uh, martial arts business plan that I wrote, that I created, in order to get a $50,000 loan from an angel investor for my first school uh, during a time of expansion. Expansion. Now, this is the actual business plan that I used. It's, it's not altered or modified except to make it easier for you to read and use and understand. So if you want to go there and sign up for the newsletter and get that freebie, you can. But what I'm telling you is, if you're not on the newsletter list, you're missing out on a lot of good information that's coming out daily in that newsletter. I've been writing, uh, you know, extensive uh, emails and and uh, you know, email series on, on different topics uh, related to uh, various uh, topics of interest that readers have expressed, that my newsletter uh, subscribers have expressed that they wanted to hear more about, and I'm going to continue to do so over the course of the coming year. So, you know, probably all the way throughout 2016, I'll continue writing these, uh, these email series, these in-depth email series on different topics related to running a martial arts school. If you're not in the newsletter list, I'm telling you, you're missing out on a lot of good information. So make sure you go to either um, martialartsbusinessdaily.com or mabizplan.com and sign up for the newsletter list immediately. Okay, that's all I have before, the, uh, before we get into the interview with Wes Schaefer. So um, remember, uh, we're going to have a brief, a very brief uh, commercial message for you, and, and this is how I support this podcast, um, by selling you my stuff. And what is my stuff? Well, business resources and so forth, information resources, etc., that can help you as a martial arts school owner or a uh, an aspiring martial arts school owner to become more successful in what you're doing. So I ask you to uh, stay tuned and sit through this brief commercial message before we get to the, uh, the podcast interview because I know you're going to enjoy it. So thanks for sticking around. And uh, remember, also, after the podcast, we will have the tip of the week. So be sure to stick around for that, too. Hey, school owners and martial arts instructors, are you struggling to get new students? Are your classes emptier than a Milli Vanilli comeback concert? Do you need more students? Then maybe it's time to turbocharge your martial arts marketing. Stop struggling to get new students in the door and discover how to fill your school with a never-ending supply of ready-to-sign-on-the-dotted-line students all year long. Go to martialartsmarketingbook.com now to find out how. That's martialartsmarketingbook.com, home of another profit-building resource in the Small Dojo Big Profits family of products. Go to martialartsmarketingbook.com right now to find out more. Hello, everyone out there in the martial arts business nation in the Small Digital Big Profits tribe. This is Mike Massey coming at you again with another interview for the Martial Arts Business Podcast. Now, let me tell you about the gentleman I have on the podcast today. Uh, my interview guest is Wes Schaefer. He is the man they call the sales whisperer. He is an Air Force veteran. Uh, he's also a graduate of the U.S. Air Force Academy. He's a father, an author, a coach, a keynote speaker to Fortune 500 companies, and uh, as I found, also a heck of a funny guy. Now, he's also the individual that sales organizations turn to when they need someone to coach their sales teams to the next level. And like me, he emphasizes integrity in his selling approach, which is why I'm so happy to have him as a guest on the Martial Arts Business Podcast. So, Wes, welcome to the show. Hey, man, that sounded awesome. Can you can you read that again? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'll read it back to you a couple of times, man. Why don't you just uh, – I'll get you a specific recording of that, and you can play it. As just you loop it. Yes. Just loop it, you know. <laughs> what was it, Chris Farley? Like, I, I'm wonderful and whatever, and doggone it, people like me. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, still, every time I see him do that uh, that thing where he's talking about, uh, you know, uh, living in a van. <laughs> down in a van down by the river. <laughs> Down by the river, man. He does a thing with his arms, cracks me up. All right, so uh, so the thing is, you know, most of these people that uh, probably the my listeners that are listening to this podcast episode right now, um, they probably have not heard of you because, um, you know, this is nothing against my industry or the people in my industry, but we tend to be very insular. So could you please uh, tell us a little bit about your background and also tell us how you got into sales? Oh, man. I got into sales, honestly, to make money. 
<laughs> you know, I was in the Air Force. I mean, I came from uh, just blue collar kind of parents, uh, blue collar, a little white collar. It kind of bounced back and forth. Uh, not entrepreneurial, you know, and uh, but they stressed the education. And um, the I got a chance to attend the Air Force Academy. So and not coming from money, you know, being able to go for free. All right, you just nice. pay for it with blood, sweat, and tears and give up all of your civil liberties for nine years, and it's all okay. Um, <laughs> so, you know, four years graduated, and you owe five years. And um, so I, I learned that I didn't like taking orders. So, I mean, I look back, I'm like, how did I make it through? How did I not get thrown in jail in the, in the Air Force? But, hey, I survived. God had a plan. Um, and I wanted to get paid according to my production, okay? And I was willing to take that chance that if I wasn't any good, I wouldn't eat. But I was willing to take the chance that I was pretty good, and I would eat. Mm-hmm. And um, I jumped right into commission sales, right out of the Air Force. You know, I resigned my commission. Uh, I was a captain, you know, in 03, so I was living pretty good. I, you know, I was married. We had a baby. Um, had a three-bedroom house that the Air Force gave us. I was four houses away from the golf course. I lived on the number 10 tee box in Biloxi, uh, looking out of the back bay. My wife would hand over beers and food you know, as we made the turn. And I'm like, why am I walking away from this? People would give their left arm right, to have a house. So you know, when you live on base, the, the house is paid for, water, uh, utilities, trash, it's all paid for. Healthcare totally uh, provided. I lived like one and a half, two miles from my job. Uh, we had every other Friday off, um, you know, and I'm like, no, I'm going to give all of that up and go, you know, throw the dice that I can make it as a salesperson. And, uh, and it's been a bumpy road, you know, it wasn't straight to the top, you know, and I'm still climbing, but I, I did learn that, uh, I liked learning. I, I learned that. Um, it's not enough just to learn. You have to apply. Uh, so that's why, you know, I have read a lot of books cover to cover, and I also have a lot of books. I've read one or two chapters, and I found something I needed to do. I put the book down, and I go do it, right? And so it's just been a series of iterations ever since. You know, that was 1997 when I, when I got out of the service. And, um, you know, I was on my – I was in corporate America for about a decade uh, started the Sales Whisperer, bought the domain name in 2006, uh, got it trademarked. Uh, I, I was slow doing it, trying to save a few nickels, and it ended up costing me extra because somebody had filed an intent to use. Fortunately, I was already using it, but cost probably an extra $800, $1,200 to, uh, to get the name. And, uh, you know, I've been making it happen ever since. Now, I know having been in the Army and having spent some time in Air Force bases, and also my brother was in the Air Force, that uh, they treat you Air Force guys, they treat you all pretty well in the Air Force compared to the Army, and especially compared to, like, say, the Marine Corps. So so I know walking away from that was probably difficult for you. But, you know, tell me this. Going from a military career, being a career military professional, a career military airman, as it, as it, as it were, or I don't know what you did in the military. But anyway, um, so let's talk about what you had to learn in order to make that transition. I mean, you know, what sort of things did you have to learn to make a successful transition from being full-time military to being a sales professional? Uh, you know, I was from 94 to 97, I had actually dabbled in some network marketing type companies. Um, mm-hmm. Actually a guy that I had worked with was in one and introduced them to me. And, you know, growing up, like my parents had dabbled in Amway you know, so I was familiar with the products, not the program. Uh, but that introduced me to the whole world of self-help and positive thinking. I remember running across, you know, Zig Ziglar and uh, Tom Hopkins and Brian Tracy and all those guys. So for three years, you know, I was a student of that uh, and what those guys were teaching. Uh, and so that probably lit the fire in me and, and gave me the motivation and the courage that I could make it on my own um, because the, their, their lessons just resonated, right? And so, um, and because I wasn't your traditional military type, I guess, you know, I was always asking why I wouldn't just, you know, slavishly follow orders or whatever, but, you know, I wasn't in a combat unit or something, so I'm not saying, you know, 
question everything. I mean, we were we were teaching and training, so it was a little different different role. And I was more of an action oriented individual. You know, really, I got in the wrong I got in the wrong business in the military. I should have gone and become a pilot. I actually thought about cross commissioning into the Marines um, because you know I realized too late. I mean, that that slow pace sitting in the desk. I mean, wasn't for me. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, in that regard, it, it made the transition for me a lot easier. Uh, you know, I wasn't satisfied with what I was doing. And, and like I said, I, I prepared for three years to sharpen the skills uh, that I needed to succeed as a salesperson and to s- succeed as an entrepreneur. Yeah, well, I can tell you something from personal experience, that whole thing with uh, being the type of person who questions authority in the military. It probably goes a lot smoother for you when you're an officer versus enlisted. Yeah. I'll, just, <laughs> I'll just tell you that from personal experience. So. <laughs> But, uh, okay, so, you know, you, you talk about being involved in network marketing, and, of course, I've dabbled with it myself and so forth, and, and used to try to do some of that stuff through my martial arts schools and decided it just didn't jive with, you know, what I was doing right. and, it, it, you know, whatever. But but uh, one thing I did find, and I have to agree with you, that the, the education you get in personal development through some of those companies is actually, you know, worth, yeah. you know, all the other stuff that goes along with it. So, yeah, that's that's interesting that you mentioned that. Well, Let's switch gears for a minute and let's talk about selling on a personal level because most of the people who listen to the podcast, they're martial arts school owners and they're people who eat what they kill. They have to sell memberships you know, pretty much every day or every week to pay the bills. So tell us what you think is the most common misconception about selling that small business owners have. Um, you know, I can take this in a couple of angles, but from the one-on-one sale – the biggest misconception is that you as the salesperson have to do the talking. Mm-hmm. Okay, and nothing is further from the truth. Uh, the, the expert is the one that asks the best questions. Okay, and you know it's a good question when the client or the prospect replies with, I don't know. Okay, mm-hmm. or something like, oh, wow, that's a great question. Uh, and the example I always use, it especially it works better for women because women typically have their OBGYN they see regularly, whereas men we may go twenty years and never see a doctor. Uh, but you can you can run with this, you know. And um, and I, I'll ask people, you know, when they're women in the audience, say, "How many of you have a regular doctor?" You know, they raise their hands and say, "How many have had a doctor?" You know, for five or more years, you know, same doctor, and they'll a lot of raise their hands. I'm like, let me ask you something. Do you know where your doctor? Went to undergrad. Nobody will answer. Do you know where they went to to medical school? They won't raise their hand. Do you know where they did their internship? Did they do any kind of fellowship? Did they have any type of advanced specialty? And very few will raise their hand at all to any of that. And I'm like, so you don't know where your doctor went to school, what kind of grades they got, what kind of specialty, what kind of continuing education. Why do you go to that doctor? Why do you trust that doctor, right, with this very intimate um, evaluation and, you know, very sensitive uh, information and blah, blah, blah. Like, why do you trust them? It's like, because it's the questions that they ask, how they engage you, right? Literally, the bedside manner. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, has anything changed? You know, weight loss, weight gain, you know, on and on. How do you feel? Any pain, any discomfort? And they ask all these questions, they take their time, and then they make a diagnosis. They, they write a prescription, and you trust their recommendation based on the time they spent with you. Okay, and that applies. I'm telling you, I have sold stocks and bonds. I have sold mobile homes in Mobile, Alabama. I've sold seven-figure deals to Google. I've sold $635,000 of consulting to Dell, okay, and I've sold – you know, web design to, you know, the realtor across the street, you know, that's a one man show and it applies across the board and all of those situations. I have clients in Australia. I have clients in Singapore. I have clients in the UK. It's universal. It's global. Okay. Just ask good questions. Now, sometimes, yes, you're going to have to answer things and they're going to, sometimes you get a hard charger. It's really pushing you on, on a specific technique or a program, blah, blah, blah. But then you turn it right back around. And this is this is literally this is advanced like martial arts. Like uh, and I don't know a lot about it, but, you know, I know like jujitsu and others where you're using the opponent's momentum right against them to, to get the leverage uh, to make that throw to pin them. So it's the same thing. You've got to have that kind of ebb and flow where you can just, you know, somebody's hard charging you. 
you kind of back up, you answer the question, then bam, you jab them, you know, for lack of a better term. Jab that hard charger right in the nose and say, back up a second. You have to let them know who's in charge, and you do that by the questions that you ask. Uh, and so when they come, you know, bum-rushing you, how much is this program? How much does this cost? You know, and so you got to answer them, right? Say, you know what, sir, it's, it's $50 to $500 a month. Uh, and it really just depends on a lot of things. Now, if that's all you're looking for, you know, then I hope that helps. But if you would like a more, spe- you know, a more specific quote, would you mind if I ask you a few questions to better uh, determine your needs? And then you know, I can tell you exactly what to expect for you and your family. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. OK. What do you want to know? And then you better have a good question. Right. To, to run with. Mm-hmm. So you have to practice this. You have to script it out. The same thing in martial arts. Right. I mean, you people are predictable. Right. And so people listen to this in martial arts. This should really resonate with you. You can see uh, a person's tell. Right. Like in poker, but certainly in in combat, you know, when somebody's going to they're going to they depend too much on a hook or a kick or, you know, a left hand, a right hand. They always fake left, then go right. So you can pick up those things. They're very predictable. Uh, and so people are the same way in a selling situation. And you, you're all, you can pick up the types. There's only a, a few different types. You know, the very the, the passive aggressive, you know, kind of quiet, doesn't want to reveal anything, plays everything close to the vest. You know, kind of you got you to gotta attack them in the ring, right? It's like, you know, that's their strategy. Others are, are, are the bum rush. The others are kind of a little more strategic. Uh, more patient. So once you learn the types, uh, you can absolutely take control of the situation uh, and, and by asking great questions. You know, and the other side of that that I was going to answer is it depends on your marketing as well, right? With great marketing, with a great website, videos, a lot of Q&A or FAQs, SAQs, uh, good follow-up sequences. If you have a lot of that going on, you know, going back to the military, it's like it's like the battleships that bombard the beachhead, you know, and and the bombers come in and 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 just crush, you know, that beachhead to soften the defenses. So that way, the Marines can get on, and then the Army can get on and grab a toehold and establish themselves. So your marketing is like that. You're softening that beachhead. You're warming them up. The more that they can consume of your data and your content. They're more receptive. So mm-hmm. that, that initial meeting and that tour becomes so much friendlier, um, so much more of a, of a tour and, and a selection process, right? Like, do you want the silver, gold, or platinum rather than should I even buy it all? So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, so it's two sides of the coin, you know. The better your marketing, the easier the sale becomes. But until your marketing gets solid, um, just ask great questions to control the conversation. Okay, and you'll be surprised at, at how how much more fun, how how much easier, and how much more profitable that sale uh, process becomes. You know, it's funny. I want to back up a minute because that doctor analogy that you gave is highly applicable to the martial arts industry. Because a lot of school owners, I believe, in my experience, get it wrong, and they think that. It's all about their credentials, and it's all about what they've done and what their rank is and so forth, and that's why people are going to be attracted to um, taking you know, or make that decision to take martial arts lessons from them. And nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, people in the know that have already done martial arts, sure, that, that is going to be you know, a factor. But for the average person who's just entering into you know, this world of martial arts and has just started to entertain the idea of taking martial arts or, or what have you – they don't know anything about that. I mean, they could care less. All they really care about is, is you know, how you treat them. You know, are you going to click with them? You know, and and so forth. And so that was a really good analogy. And I think the second thing that you said about how marketing, how your marketing, the better your marketing is, the more comprehensive your marketing is, the better your marketing message. How it kind of, you know, softens up the prospect, you know, beforehand and kind of primes them for the sale. I think that's also very important. And I think that's a point a lot of people miss. Oh, sure. And, and what you brought up is a great point. If somebody, you know, you have to cater to your audience, okay? And 
You know, I, I'm a competent individual. I uh, am a confident individual. I'm a big guy. I'm 6'2", 230 pounds. I work out. Uh, I'm a gun owner, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but if I walked into a studio and I see somebody with all these awards and black belts and all these certifications, part of me would be like, okay, this is the dude that I want. But part of me would be like, Oh, this guy's going to laugh at me because I don't know Jack Diddley squats about this, you know, this martial art. And I don't want to be ridiculed. I don't want to be talked down to. Maybe I can get somebody that, you know, is only has one black belt instead of five or seven or ten or how many you have. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I want uh, the someone that's more like me. Right. I mean, I want to learn, but I don't want to be. You know, sometimes we feel like we're not worthy, right, to be in the presence of someone that excellent. Uh, and so you need to you need to cater to your audience. So if your audience is taking, helping the good become great, then you would lead with that. But if your audience is helping the beginners become competent and move into being good, then you might want to downplay that. Okay, and be more of a human, right? More approachable to them. And that's literally what they talk about the bedside manner. People are like, I didn't even know he was a doctor. You know, he doesn't wear the white lab coat. He just shows up in a T-shirt and he's approachable. And he, he doesn't always shave, kind of has that, that five o'clock shadow, just like my dad does. I feel so comfortable with him. Okay, that may be the, 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 the shtick, right? The way that you want to go about your business. Whereas otherwise, you know, you're this, brain surgeon, you know, blah, blah, blah. You may need to show up in a, in a thousand dollar suit, you know, and, and the, the approach is totally different. So, you know, just keep that in mind. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny how you say that too, because I, you know, I recently, I thought I was having heart problems and I wasn't. So I went to go see a, 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 a very prominent, you know, heart specialist here locally. And uh, what's interesting was is this guy, I, I, it actually appealed to me because I'm kind of a no-nonsense kind of guy. But his his secretary or his front office girl told me, she said, I'm just going to warn you about this guy. You know, um, His demeanor puts off a lot of people, so I hope he doesn't put you off because he's a really good doctor. And I went in, and this guy really knew his stuff, man. And he was very thorough. He wasn't you know, eager to, to whip out the, you know, the, the you know, script pad or whatever. But, man, he called me on so many different things. You know, like I would say something, he'd be like, well, not necessarily because this, you know, or that. And, you know, just a very straightforward demeanor. I can see how it would have turned, you know, put somebody else off. But, right. you know, for me, it was the perfect guy. I think that a lot of martial arts instructors forget that mostly what they're dealing with is they're not dealing with people who have the same mentality, the same attitude, the same experiences, and they're mostly dealing with beginners. And a perfect example of this is the guy that I just wrapped up an interview with yesterday, Bill Jones, who has gone from 50 to 150 students in his school uh, since he started getting coaching from me. And, you know, good for him. But one of the first things we did was, as I looked over all his marketing materials, I said, Bill, you know, all these pictures of you and your instructors and your website, none of you guys are smiling. And he's like, well, yeah, you know, he's, you know, we want to look tough and whatever. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't want to look tough. Uh-huh. You want to look, you want to look friendly and approachable because, you know, that's what people are looking for in a martial arts school. All your competitors are trying to look tough. You need to look the exact opposite. You need to look friendly. And uh, it really helped him a lot. And now he even said in the interview yesterday, he's like, everything I put on my website, everything I put on my market materials now, it's all happy, smiling, confident people. Right. Good. Yeah. So, okay. So, let me ask you this: What when you start coaching people? You, I know you coach sales professionals, you know, across the country and and so forth. What's the first thing, the number one thing that you teach sales professionals when they start getting coached by you? Um, so, other than you know, he who asks the questions is in control of the appointment, right? So that's that's number one. Uh, and immediately after that is that I'm really working on their psyche. You know, I, I'm getting them to realize the value that they bring to the table, even if they're meeting with, you know, the CEO of a fortune 50 company, they're, if they're meeting with, you know, Bill Gates or, you know, Tim Cook now at Apple or whatever, uh, in your particular niche. Okay. Mm-hmm. You probably do no more than Warren Buffett or Bill Gates or Michael Dell or Tim Cook or Sir Richard Branson. Okay, now they may be better businessmen, right? They're certainly all billionaires, so we could learn from them. But just sticking with the world of martial arts, you know, 
anyone listening to this uh, knows more than all of those guys combined. So in your niche, you need to realize that you know when you're in your element, you're the boss, you're in control, you're the leader. Even though that person may drive up, you know, in a three hundred thousand dollar automobile with a driver and having a personal assistant, you know, you need to own your space. And so you need to command and demand respect, okay? And But again, by asking the questions and taking control and realizing for this five-minute or ten-minute or one-hour meeting, whatever you all have set, you need to have an agenda, and then you own that time as the expert that you are. Uh, and if you do that, you know, the the big, powerful people of the world, and even the weak ones, but especially the big, powerful ones, they want decisions to be made. They want help making decisions. They want recommendations. They don't want 37 choices. They want an A and a B and maybe a C, but then they're, you need to tell them, here's A, B, and C, and your situation, based on what's, uh, the way you've answered the, the thorough questions that I've asked, I recommend B. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so you're not telling them what to do, but you're shortening it down, okay? And like my assistant, she's worked with me for years now, and it took her a while to learn that. It's like, you know, just help me get things off of my plate, okay? I have a to-do list longer than my arm. I need you to help me make it go away, Mm-hmm. Okay, and so as we're doing things, working on new campaigns and events and blah, 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 it's like narrow it down. Okay, I know there's there's 6,897 hotels within 50 miles of me in Southern California where I can hold my event. You know what I want to do. You know how many people are coming. You know my budget. Narrow it down to three for me, would you? Narrow it down to one. <laughs> okay, and if it fits all those criteria, I'll just take it. Okay. Yeah, it, it's funny because I'm constantly telling the people, the guys and gals in my coaching group on Facebook, I'm constantly telling them a confused mind never buys. You right. give somebody too many options, there's no way they're not going to choose any of them. Nope. So, you know, <laughs> I think it's funny that you talk about your, your personal assistant and, and having her take care of that. Uh, my wife and I have been talking a lot lately about decision fatigue and, and how much a problem that is with, with people who are busy these days and so forth. And So basically what you're saying is is, is be a bit of a problem solver for these people. Exactly. Um, you know, they, they've done interviews with Zuckerberg, you know, it's like, why do you always wear the same clothes? And Steve Jobs did it, you know, and they just – they. They had so much on their mind all the time. It's like they could just literally eliminate what to wear today, and that just freed them up to focus on something else. You know, people uh, they they want to bag on ritual and and ceremony things like that. You know, especially like in religion. Um, but you know, the ritual helps. It does help free the mind. You know, we all have a ritual. We wake up in the morning, you know, we brush our teeth the same way, the toothbrush and toothpaste in the same place. We get the coffee made, blah, blah, blah. All that happens without us thinking. We drive to work the same way. So all the time we're, we're thinking about something else. Hopefully it's something important. Maybe it's not, but it does free you up. So having a process, having a ritual, uh, helps you focus on what's important Okay, uh, but you see it too, and I'm sure I'm sure it's done in martial arts. I mean, I I golf, used to golf a lot more than I do now, but I still golf some. Uh, but you'll see it with with athletes. You'll see it with baseball. I mean, that's going on right now. You'll see it with with dudes shooting free throws. You know, in the NBA, they'll have the exact same routine. Uh, you know, the golfer as they approach the ball, as they line up the putt. It could be a one foot putt. It could be a fifty foot putt. They line it up the same. The free throw shooter. You know, these guys are six foot five, six, ten, seven feet tall. I mean, they can jump from the free throw line and dunk it. Uh, mm-hmm. But they'll stand there and they'll, you know, they, they have their own routine. Dribble it twice, dribble it three times, hold it over their head, whatever, to get in the rhythm so they can stop thinking about what's going on and let, let the muscle memory take over. Okay, so it's true in sales as well and in your marketing. I mean, it, people are very predictable, like I said. And so if you can follow the same routine based on what's presented present in only a handful of ways, uh, then that routine can take over, okay? And then you can be thinking about the second and third question, 
mm-hmm. right? I mean, so I, like any type of competition, and in, in, in a way, it is a competition. You know, I mean, uh, you're going for no, believe it or not. Um, uh, you're really trying to disqualify. You want to make sure that the it's the right person, it's the right fit. So you're you're going for no, uh, because when they turn around and say yes. You know, they're saying yes to themselves. They're saying yes to you. They keep hearing themselves say yes. Uh, and, and what you're doing is closing the door behind them. They're walking through this long hallway, and you're just helping them eliminate every door so that the finally at the end, you know, is, the, is a contract, you know, the agreement, the paperwork. Mm-hmm. And there's a pen, and you say, press real hard. The third copy is yours. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. where you're trying to take them. You know, if you do your job, the paperwork should be an afterthought. Oh, yeah. Actually, it, sh- it shouldn't be a hurdle. But so, you know, it, it's interesting how you say that you're going for no. Let me ask you this. How important do you think it is for the person who's doing the selling, the salesperson, to be unemotional and unattached to that sale? Um, you should be totally uh, unattached to the sale. You know, I always say a four-part thing that I learned from my sales trainer years ago, Steve Clark, is that selling is a calling. Serving is its purpose, questioning is the process, and a sale may be the solution. Hmm. Okay, now you're certainly attached and passionate about growing your business. Okay, but your business will not, you're not going to be made, you know, it's not a make or break based on that one person sitting across the table from you. Hmm. Okay, now if 101 in a row (laughs) go sideways, then you got a problem. Um, but it's just like in, in competition and fighting, you're not going to lose everyone. Okay. If you're doing the right things, you and I cannot control, uh, what opponent shows up in the ring with us or on the mat. I cannot force that prospect to dig into their wallet and pull out their credit card. Okay. But I can control the questions that I ask, um, how I answer the phone, how I set the appointment, how I greet them, how I conduct a tour. You know, I can. How do I smell when I meet them? What is my handshake like? Do I look them in the eye? I can control all these little things, and I know, just like in your training, you can control. You know, are you hitting the gym? Are you lifting weights? Are you doing the pull-ups? Are you running? Are you swimming? Are you biking? Are you working on on your aerobic uh, capacity? Are you eating right? You know, are you drinking water instead of soda? Because all of those extra little calories, all of the extra jogs or, or sitting on your couch, that all adds up. And so as long as I do, as long as I know I'm doing all of the right things leading up to the sale, chances are good that the sale will just happen. Okay, so you're, you're right. You cannot fall in love with any one prospect. Um, you know, the old adage is if you're not ready and willing to walk away from the sale, you shouldn't be at the table. Okay, and so it's easier to do when you've got a good marketing system going, when you have a full pipeline. Okay, when you really know who you who you serve and who you don't, Uh, you know, so it's kind of a a chicken in the egg. But if your marketing isn't quite there yet, you still need to take a step back and say, how am I doing this? And and just like learning martial arts, I mean, yeah, you can maybe watch some videos and some old Bruce Lee movies and maybe get good. But I think everybody listening to this really got great when they had a coach. You know, when they had somebody better than them, watch them and instruct them and teach them. And sales training is the same thing. I mean, I got great when I got a coach and, and that learning really accelerated when he made me get a recorder and I recorded my sales calls. And then he analyzed them, right? And you would just stop me. Nope, right there. That's terrible. <laughs> you know, bad openings. You know, <laughs> pick up on this guy. See that little subtle thing. See how he how he responded. How he asked the question. Blah blah. blah. You see what he was really meaning behind that. You know, the meaning behind the words. Like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I got a lot better, a lot faster, because I had somebody from the outside looking in. Uh, and usually, it's not going to be a, a spouse. Or a parent, or you know, a drinking buddy. You got to find somebody that's that's good in the field, okay? Uh, you know, of selling uh, to help because you know, like I said, I, I took a little bit of self defense, you know, at the academy twenty plus years ago, and so I'm better than Joe Blow off the street, right? I can 
I can kind of block, kind of, you know, throw a guy in an arm bar if everything happens just right. So I could throw some moves around in my living room. My wife would go, wow, that looks really good. You're like a really good martial arts self-defense guy. Okay. <laughs> you know, you'd look at me and go, oh, my gosh, I have to leave the room. I'm gonna, I think I just threw up in my mouth. Right. I mean, it's just so you, you got to have an expert get you better in that particular skill. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it doesn't have to be a long time, but you know, again, your your spouse, your parents, your drinking buddy probably aren't the best ones to evaluate your sales process um, to to help you get more better at selling. Yeah, chances are they're going to give you the wrong advice. Right. Yeah. So, okay. Well, let's shift gears again because I want to ask you about um, training other people because. Most of the people who are listening to this podcast are probably, um, you know, owner operators of a martial arts school. Many of them, the reason why they're listening to this podcast is because they are the type of martial arts instructors who enjoy teaching and they want to have face to face contact with every one of their students every single week, which means they have to hire people to handle those other things that go along with running a martial arts school. One of the most common uh, I guess you could say staff positions in a martial arts school is that of the enrollment director, which is the person who does the majority of the recruitment and selling. And this is a big issue for martial arts school owners and staffing and training people who can sell those memberships. You know, huge, huge challenge. So what tips do you have for these school owners um, that can help them recruit and train people who can actually sell memberships? Um, so the good old adage of hire slow fire fast. Uh, you know, I've got a, a sales uh, program called No More Sales Duds, and, uh, and it's for managers and owners to um, advertise, you know, recruit, screen, interview, onboard, and retain and motivate top sales talent. Okay. Most sales managers, and this is universal, it's not just uh, martial arts studio owners, uh, most sales managers became sales managers because they were good at sales and they just got promoted. Uh, but they were just kind of, <laughs> they were just kind of naturally good. They just hustled, they were competitive, they were passionate and, and they made sales. Well, now they're managing people and they're like, how do I do that? And, you know, it'd be like, I don't know. Just do it. Just get it done. Okay. But if, if I came to you and said, you know, how do I become uh, you know, I don't know your stage, a yellow belt, you know, green, brown, yellow, red, black, you know, you would tell me specifically, right, exactly what to do, uh, mm-hmm. the routines that, that I would have to practice. You know, you say, you know what, to get to this first belt, you're looking at, you know, 30 days of, of you know, 90 minutes to three hours a day doing this, this, and this, and you'll get to the first one. But you know what? Then plan on you know three months to the next, and then six months to the next, then a year, even two years to the next, and then maybe five years to you know to get to the highest. You know, and I'm like what that long? But I mean, you could tell me exactly what to do. As a sales manager, you always say you manage activity and pay on results. But most managers, they don't know the activity. You're just doing it, okay? And it's like you got to take a step back and have this out-of-body experience, you know, and say, tell me exactly, right? Because, like, if, you know, footwork matters, right? I learned a little bit, you know, like Taekwondo and, like, the importance of, to get that power, how, like, I'm kicking with my right foot, how it matters that my left foot, that I rotate that thing 45 degrees, uh, almost 90 if I can, as I step so I have the ability to rotate the hip to drive the power in that kick. Most people would think, wouldn't even think about that left foot. Well, I don't know. I just step forward. You know, do you step forward, you know, straight ahead or at an angle? How much of an angle? You know, so that one little tweak of that left foot gives me more power to, you know, when I kick the opponent. Well, it's the same thing happening in selling, but most people don't know that. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't think to get down, uh, you know, go literally walk up to the store, go to the very front of it. What does the parking lot look like? Or do you have flyers taped all over your windows is it dirty is there gum on the on the sidewalk walking up to it again what's the smell sounds funny you know and you know when you work out a lot you love a a stinky gym you know i like to walk into an old school gym (laughs) right unair conditioned rusty weights music blaring you know i'm like yeah powders floating everywhere i'm like this is a gym you know i want to i want to sweat 
But if that's not who your customers, if that's not who you're catering to, this thing may be stuffy, it's sweaty, it may stink. Okay, so you got to look at all of that. But then call, you know, tell the people, I want you to answer the phone in the first ring. You know, and you don't just say, yeah, or hello. I mean, what do you want them to say? And then give them scripts, you know, because there's only a handful of things people are going to ask. What are your hours? You know, when can I get a tour? How much does this cost? Do you want them answering price questions on the phone? But you know you're going to get them. So, you know, that's literally, did you tell them where to place the left foot, you know, to impart a blow? You know, 45 degrees, 90 degrees, blah, blah, blah. Are you getting into that type of granularity? And, and most people don't. Because uh-huh. again, they just they hustled. They were passionate. They they just showed all their all their trophies and all their frowning pictures. You know, <laughs> showed themselves with all their belts. And they're like, "I'm an expert. Come train with me." Uh-huh. But you're losing at least half of your prospects if you don't get down in the weeds with your salespeople. And then, again, manage activity, pay on results. Uh-huh. So bottom line is make sure you have processes in place, sales processes that actually work. Train your people on them. Make sure that you're you're managing their activity in, in such a way to where it ensures that they're following the processes. And then instead of paying them, you know, maybe like a you know flat salary or something, you know, you would be more inclined to pay those people on commission so they are oh, getting paid for better results. Absolutely. And in the interview yeah. process, you need to be a, a real meanie head. Okay, Um, because prospects are going to be tough and you want to see, can these people uh, weather the storm? Hmm. Okay, Uh, and so and I outline it in great detail in that in that No More Sales Duds program. And it's what type of ad to run. You know, that verbiage matters because, again, you're disqualifying, you know, like, are you looking for a challenge? Are you looking for the opportunity of a lifetime? You know, do you want to set your own uh, plot, your own course, you know? Uh, earn unlimited potential, work in a fast-paced environment, you know, blah, 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 uh, you know, then this might be the job for you. You know what to do? You know, here, follow this exact process. You know, I have them mail in their resume. They can email it, but they have to mail it. If they don't mail it, um, then I don't even call them back. Mm. Okay, so can they follow instructions? Can they follow orders? Is there? Do they have an attention to detail? Because when they print that thing up, I, I can see, is it grammatically correct? Are there typos? All of those things are little signs, okay? Uh, if if my initial um, interaction with that person is bad, you know, that's the best they're ever going to be, right? It's like a first date, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, did you shower? Did you shave? Did you wash the car to go pick up your date for that first date? You know, we're always on our best behavior on that first date. And so if they're not on their best behavior... From the very beginning, what makes you think they're going to get better once they they're getting your money? You know, yeah. so I put them through the ringer in the interview process uh, because I, I want them to know, just like a school teacher. You know, the first day of school, if you're handing out popsicles and ice cream and let everybody take a nap and sit on their phones, uh, it's going to be tough to rein them back in for the rest of the semester. Mm. You know, you got to show up in there, pencils down, phones down, turn them off. If I see one, I'm taking it. You know, you will look straight ahead and there's no gum chewing. You will not eat or drink in my class. Do you understand? You know, and then then when they behave, <laughs> hey, everybody, y'all did so well on the exam and it's been really tough. It's been a hard week. Everybody did great on the quiz. You know what? I brought in some lollipops because you've all worked so mm-hmm. hard. So you reward them after they exhibit the behavior that, that you want to need out of them. Oh my, what a revolutionary concept. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is hiring a salesperson for your business is a lot like, you know, if you hire the wrong person, it's a lot like dating that fixer upper, you know, <laughs> that uh, it never really works out in the end, even though no matter how much you want to change that person to make them better, it's just never going to work. Yep. Yeah, so hire hire right, you know, date right, marry right in the first place. Mm-hmm. Some, so there's some there's some uh, life advice for everyone there. Okay, so yeah, I, I had this question prepared, and I'm going to ask it anyway, although I think you've covered it. But if you had just ten minutes, only ten minutes to spend with someone to help them sell better, what would you tell them? What would you have them do? Uh, man, I would tell them to get better with their time management because I need an hour. Mm. <laughs> mm. That's good. Uh, if I only had ten minutes, um, 
You know, a, a lot of people, again, they focus on like the unique selling proposition and the elevator pitch, you know, but I like to turn it around again. I, I call it like the elevator question. You know, people say, well, what do you do? And, uh, and I'll turn right back around on them and say, well, it kind of depends. What business are you in? Or I may say, well, are you familiar with like, do you ever get an email newsletter or buy anything online or have like your contacts up in online in the clouds and, and you, sometimes you lose them, you can't find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, depending on what they say, like, no, I, I don't know what you mean. I, I keep everything in, in a, right here in my printed out paper, you know, address book. So based on the answers that they give me, I'll, I'll shift my USP to make it unique. So again, it kind of goes back to asking the questions, right? I, I, I don't want to show up and engage with anybody and start blabbing. So I really want them to hone in on what's, you know, that Robert Carr said, enter the conversation going on in the mind of the prospect. And so I, if I only had 10 minutes, I would work on them with what are the, what are your best prospects really grappling with? And how can you diagnose that through better questions uh, right from the get go? Mm-hmm. Okay, and so if if they can just because great salespeople have what they call empathy, right? So empathy is you're able to walk a mile in their shoes. Uh, it's mm-hmm. different than sympathy, where you lay down in the gutter with them. You know, <laughs> I'm sympathetic to your cause, man. Like you know these celebrities, I spent the night on the street with the homeless. Hey, that's fantastic. Okay, how are you going to help that homeless person you slept next to? Stop being homeless, and what what processes can you help put in place, either through the public sector or the private sector, um, to stop homelessness from happening or reducing its rate? Right. So that's empathy, understanding what it's like to be in their shoes, but then giving them a clear cut path uh, to progress. Okay. So so you know again, enter the mind into the conversation going on in the mind of the prospect, and do it by asking better questions instead of just blabbing how great you are uh, because as that prospect starts to answer so the same thing you know maybe uh you know in, in your martial arts you know maybe you're a better grappler uh, but you're up against a great grappler you're like oh my gosh i gotta stay up on this guy you know i gotta keep him at a distance i gotta you know i'm gonna have to shift my approach even though you may have a favorite approach based on what you're given right you have to adjust uh and so maybe that's more you know, like uh, MMA-type fighting, right, where you can do everything. So maybe you're going to end up boxing more, or maybe you're going to do a lot more kicks instead of go to the mat. So you got to – but it's by the questions that you ask in verbal sparring, right? So I, I work on sales training, but I work on marketing automation. I work on e-commerce, you know, all these different things. But you may only be interested in one, and it's by the questions that I ask that I know where to focus. And I'll leave all the others to the side, okay, because maybe you are a great boxing coach, but somebody's coming and they, they want to learn wrestling. They want to learn mat work. And so you're going to talk about what, how great you are at boxing. The guy's like, okay, I got to go. You're not right for me because you're not listening. You know, I need floor work, and you want to talk about boxing. I got to go. So even though you may be great at floor work, right, but because you didn't listen, you just showed up with your pre-planned packaged presentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just going to talk yourself out of a sale. Mm-hmm. Okay. So ask the right questions and then listen to the answers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Very good. Well, I, Wes, I know that uh, you've got – you have to fly out today or tomorrow for a conference? Uh, I'm just driving. But, uh, yeah, drive out tomorrow to uh, – Santa Barbara, you know, out on the coast, and you know, somebody's got to do it, man. I mean, it's just Life's stuff hard. that I do to help people learn, grow their business. <laughs> I'm a giver. I'm a giver. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, I, I know you got to get ready for that trip, so I don't want to keep you any longer. But I want to thank you for coming on the show, and I also want to tell everybody first that I will have a link to uh, to Wes's uh, his. Uh, he kept talking about that course, the No More Sales Studs course. I will have a link to that in the show notes. Wes, can you tell everybody how they can find you online? Um, just visit thesaleswhisperer.com. And uh, okay. you'll find all my links there. I'm online a good bit, especially on social media. You can find me from Twitter and all that. And ask any questions, and I'll help as much as I can. 
All right, very good. Well, Wes, thank you so much for coming on the show, and I want to let everybody know who's out there listening in the Martial Arts Business Nation and the Small Digital Big Profits Tribe that coming up next, I will have the tip of the week for you, so stay tuned for that. The tip of the week. It's time for our featured Martial Arts Business Tip of the Week. For more great tips, be sure to visit MartialArtsBusinessDaily.com to subscribe to our newsletter. And while you're there, click on the Business Resources tab for links to all Mike's Martial Arts Business books and courses. Now, here's your Martial Arts Business Tip of the Week. Okay, in the tip of the week this week, we're going to talk about selling, since that seems to be the uh, general theme for my emails uh, during this week, and then also for, uh, obviously, the uh, the interview that you just listened to with Wes Schaefer. So uh, let me give you some tips on selling. And uh, these tips, although they're going to sound uh, commonsensical to some of you, they're actually very valuable, so pay close attention. The first thing I want to mention uh, as far as selling goes is that if you're using tricks, if you're using some sort of uh, of tricks or you know kind of slick, uh, underhanded tactics to sell martial arts lessons in your school because that's the way you were taught and because that's the only way that you know, that's the only way you know how to sell martial arts lessons. It's the way your instructor did it. It's the way they taught you or that's the uh, you know the, the techniques that you picked up from a martial arts consulting company or a billing company or you know a franchise or whatever that you work with. What I'm here to tell you is is that you're hurting yourself by doing that. You're shooting yourself in the foot because by using those tactics, you're doing a couple of things that are going to hurt your school. Number one, you're undermining whatever trust you may have had that you may have built up uh, with the client uh, before they joined your school, before you got them to sign on the dotted line. Um, if you promise things or you lie about things uh, that you can't, you know, you promise things you can't deliver, you lie about things, uh, you know, by misrepresenting, uh, you know, certain aspects of your contract or what have you or the billing terms or whatever to get somebody to sign in the dotted line. Once they find out later on that you've lied to them or misrepresented um, those facts, they are going to lose a great deal of respect for you and it's going to hurt you. Um, those people are going to eventually want to leave your school. They're going to find a reason to be dissatisfied with what you're teaching or what you're doing, no matter how good it is, because they have lost faith in your integrity. And this is so, so important because when those people leave, they're going to find a reason to leave. And uh, then what they're going to find out is, is that they signed a contract and that, uh, you know, you were unwilling to release them from that contract. And guess what they're going to do next? They're going to go online and they're going to write a really crappy review for your school. And I see these reviews all the time because, yes, I spend my spare time looking at martial arts school websites and also looking at the online profiles of martial arts schools just to see what people are writing, what type of reviews are, uh, people are posting about them and so on. And I see a lot of schools that are in the uh, three out of five star range, you know, maybe the, the two and a half to three and a half star range that have um, a number of negative reviews posted to their profile that say something like, uh, you know, this is nothing, uh, you know, we're not trying to say anything about this instructor's ability to teach nor about their personality. We personally liked him or her, but we had issues with their billing company or we wanted to quit and they wouldn't let us because we had signed a contract and they wouldn't release us from the contract no matter what we did and they continued to bill our credit card, blah, blah, blah. These are, um, you know, complaints that I see all the time in online reviews and you know there's there's there are very simple ways to avoid this number one promise fulfillment make sure that whatever you're promising in your ads and in your sales process that you are delivering on after the sale that is going to um, prevent the client from experiencing what's often called in marketing uh, what's often termed dissonance or called dissonance in marketing and dissonance is basically where what you're experiencing internally is not in tune with what you're experiencing externally. So if the client was promised something and they have this picture, this image in their mind, this idea of what's going to be delivered to them um, when uh, you know after they join as a student in your martial arts school and then the, their actual experience doesn't jibe with that, they're going to experience dissonance. And dissonance leads to buyer's remorse. And buyer's remorse leads to people dropping out of your school. So number one, make sure that you're following through on your promises. Make sure that uh, your promise fulfillment in your school is absolutely on target. The second thing you want to make sure that you do to avoid having people want to drop out after they join your school, after you've gotten them to sign on the dotted line, is absolute transparency in the sales process. Absolute transparency and full disclosure of all the terms of uh, your billing and your contract. 
Now, in a lot of schools out there, don't use contracts, but you still have to get people to sign something that allows you to bill them electronically if you're using electronic billing, which I think you should. Because by using electronic billing, it's so easy to do. You don't need a billing company to do this for you anymore. It's easy for anyone to go out there and, and do this themselves in their school. Um, by uh, by using electronic billing, you're going to make your or, or see your on-time collections go from probably about 70 or 75 percent all the way up to, you know, 95 you know, 98%, something like that, a really high number. And, uh, you know, this also eliminates the need for billing companies because when you have on-time collections that are up to, you know, 98, 99%, you really don't need a billing company to go after, you know, those people that aren't paying you on time to call them up and remind them. You can do that yourself. You can do it much more politely and have a much better um, relationship with your client um, by doing so. And of course, those people that, you know, fraction of a percent of people that just decide not to pay you regardless of, of what you do, what you're doing, or, or what have you, um, what contract they sign or whatever, those people aren't going to pay you anyway. There's no need to send them to collections. All that's going to do is create, um, you know, bad blood between you and that client. And once again, they're going to turn around and they're going to write uh, sorry reviews for you online. So, you know, I, I think that's a losing game for anybody who decides to send somebody who isn't paying them uh, to collections. So, so the thing is, if you have absolute transparency and full disclosure, in the enrollment process and during your enrollment conference where you tell the person exactly, you know, in no uncertain terms, you know, hey, you know, um, this is a contract. I just want to make sure you understand this and, and let them understand, you know, what the cancellation policies are. You have to explain all of that to them. And legally, you have to explain it, by the way, because if you gloss over that stuff and they sign the contract, then guess what? Um, later on, they may have a cause for action to come back and sue you to get released from that contract. Now, I'm not an attorney, but um, I uh, am very familiar with the legal field. And uh, my wife is a paralegal, and I know a lot of lawyers, and I actually uh, uh, spent a, a, a short amount of time in law school. And I became a paralegal before that, before I decided to go to law school, and, and then uh, found out that I hated attorneys and, and left law school to uh, open up another martial arts school. But um, that's a story for another podcast. But what I'm saying is I'm very familiar with contracts and how contracts work, and I can tell you that if you don't um, explain to the person who signed in the contract, you don't give them an opportunity to understand every single uh, you know, uh, term or detail of that contract, and they don't understand those terms uh, before they sign, then you know the contract, in many cases, many courts will consider that contract invalid. So you have to reveal all these things, explain them to people um, when they're signing. And besides that, it's just good business to do so. Now, if you do those two things, and if the person understands what's expected of them and what they're getting in return uh, for their money, and, uh, uh, you know, for entering this agreement with you, whether it's just a simple billing agreement or whether it's a membership contract, then guess what? You're setting clear expectations for that person and also for yourself. So down the road, if you are delivering on your promises, remember how I talked about promise fulfillment just a few moments ago. So if you're delivering on your promises in your school and you're delivering on all those things you promised to deliver that person during the marketing and sales process, then they're gonna they're gonna have no reason to leave your school. Um, they're gonna you know continue to maintain. They're gonna continue to have that trust uh, in your integrity that they had when they initially started because you were upfront and honest with them. And even if something comes up where you know say it's a child and the and the parent sees the child losing interest in martial arts. What the parent is going to be inclined to do is they're going to be inclined to tell that child, well, you know what, we made a commitment and we're going to stick to that commitment because, uh, you know, Mr. Massey or Mr. Smith or Mrs. Uh, Jones or whoever that's teaching martial arts classes for us, you know, they're holding up their end of the bargain, so we need to hold up ours and, and I'm going to make sure that you see this through. And if it's an adult student, even if something comes up and they stop attending classes, they're going to, they're going to be inclined to continue to pay you that tuition. And that also gives you the opportunity to call that person up and say, hey, you know, we've been missing you at class, you know, um, is there anything I can do to help you get back in class and potentially save a student and get them to renew when their membership agreement is up versus just seeing that person drop out and then never seeing them again and, and uh, then them canceling, even though they paid you all their tuition, canceling at the end of that membership agreement. So I hope you see, uh, you know, based on what I'm telling you, what I've just told you, that it's incredibly important to make sure that you are a person of integrity in your business dealings with your clients from the get-go. That it doesn't work in your favor at all for you to use um, you know, tricks and uh, you know, deception and misrepresentation to get people to enroll in your school because eventually it's going to come back and it's going to bite you in the butt. So uh, that's my tip of the week for this week. <laughs> I hope you appreciate it. And also, I hope there's information that I've given you that you can actually uh, you know, put into uh, you know, uh, put into use in your school that uh, you'll take action 
um, to change things if you haven't been doing things with the utmost integrity in your school. Uh, because we, you know, we really need to elevate the image of the martial arts industry, of our industry, um, simply because it, you know, it, it continues to take black eyes because um, you know, there are people out there that continue to do things uh, the way they were doing them back in the 60s and 70s. Um, and you know, the thing is, you know, not only is it wrong, but you just can't get away with that stuff anymore and it ends up hurting the entire industry. So, so take my words to heart. All right. That's it for this episode of the martial arts business podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if you're not on the email newsletter list, go to martialartsbusinessdaily.com or mabizplan.com and, uh, sign up for the newsletter list, you know, get those freebies, sign up for the newsletter list. You'll be getting tons of good information every single day, uh, Monday through Friday to your email inbox. Also, if you're not a member of uh, my private coaching website, which is mabizu.com, mabizu.com, m-a-b-i-z-u.com, you need to go check it out. I believe right now we have a two-week unconditional money-back guarantee if you're not satisfied with the site, so there's absolutely no risk to to you to go check it out. It's very inexpensive. I think it's running like, I can't remember what the price is. It's somewhere around between 30 and 40 bucks a month. I know that. And uh, there's an incredible amount of information on that site for martial arts school owners or would-be martial arts school owners. Plus, we have a private Facebook forum or private Facebook group, I should say, that uh, is extremely active. We have several instructors in there who've been very successful with following the systems and following uh, the advice that I provide in that uh, private Facebook group that are doing very well. Uh, People that have transitioned from uh, teaching part-time and working full-time jobs to support themselves. Um, to quitting their jobs and working full-time as martial arts school owners. Now, I'm not saying everybody's going to do that because I can't determine how you're going to work or how you're going to use the information that I provide, but all I'm saying is is that uh, that group has made it possible for people to do that, uh, several of our members. So if you do join, when you join at mabizu.com, uh, you're going to log in for the first time. Look on the right-hand side. You're going to see a Facebook Connect button. Make sure you click that button, and uh, that will connect you with our private Facebook group. Uh, get in there, and instead of lurking, just jump in and uh, introduce yourself right away and uh, start posting questions because what you're going to find is is you're going to get a lot of good information uh, from being active in that group, and it's helped out quite a few people, as I said, in uh, making the transition from part-time uh, instructor to full-time school owner. All right, that's it for this week. Um, I probably will not come out with a another episode of the martial arts business podcast before thanksgiving expect one to come out the week after thanksgiving i will have either another interview or a podcast dedicated to what you should be doing over the holiday season for the next podcast episode so look out for that i wish you all the best now go out there and enroll some students this week you've been listening to the martial arts business podcast with mike massey Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And if you've enjoyed this show, leave us a positive review while you're there. Thanks for your support. And tune in again next time for more great martial arts business tips and advice from martialartsbusinessdaily.com.